Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixels Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts, I'm Will, that's Blake, and it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Every time we have like the off off week, it feels like, I'm like, how are you, man? What have you been doing with your life? Yeah, and it, it just feels exacerbated because it was the off week, I went to a different country, for a time and it just so happened that worlds beyond number finished its first arc because normally we would have at least done right a worlds beyond in this interim but we didn't even have that so it just feels like a yeah a super long time without you my friend without our sit down how was your trip it was good it was good um i'm not gonna bore everybody with it here but um as you know i, w- I went to iceland i'll say that much but as you know, I went to Iceland last year and we only I only went back because uh, uh, for a wedding, the same people we went with last year got engaged there. And so they wanted to get married there. Long story short, the first trip was amazing, did a lot of sightseeing, did a lot of cool stuff. Not that this one wasn't great, uh, but this one, it was much more wedding focused. So it's not like right. I was going out and doing a bunch of exploring and stuff, but it, it was still it right. was good. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, are you are you are you sipping on some coffee by chance? Yeah, I was about to, you know, embrace my shame and br- <laughs> bring up. I, the th- <laughs> listen, I don't have a problem with it. OK, I just want everyone to know I don't have an issue with it. It's just that you've mentioned I've you got a rule. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I was going to point out was I've got my rule yeah. about, you know, not drinking coffee past three and it's three yeah, thirty. Currently, yeah, it's currently three thirty, guys. <laughs> I'm not. But here's the thing. I'm a man of 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 habit. And of, of ritual, of ritual. <laughs> that too. Um, but so I like part of my ritual for the pixels podcast is to have a nice cup of coffee, except for when we do like night episodes. I'm not that mm-hmm. psychotic. We need to start recording in the morning, but yeah, I feel like, like there's so much happening in the day that we're always like, for me, it always works out better to be like in the afternoon to record. But I'm thinking like, you know, if you got your brew going, I want to have my brew going, you yeah. know, yeah, a little morning brews with the dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like know. it. We'll workshop that, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you are checking out our podcast for the first time, we like to talk a lot of D&D and all things related to it. Uh, and today we're talking a little Critical Role, uh, episode 71, I believe. That's right. Uh, this one had an interesting title to it, like Miss and something. Uh, whimsy. whimsy. Yeah. Right. Right. It's so, like a fit, though. Yeah. Very, did, uh, actually. very yeah. Studio Ghibli feel to this episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, typically we we have announcements before we dive into talking about the episode. But do we? Oh, we do. We do, actually. Okay. Um, we, oh, yeah. as, as you guys, ma- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we mentioned this in our last episode. But if you didn't catch that or if you're new here, we are going to be hosting a Calamity rewatch. Um so whether you've seen it before or if you're one of the lucky few who hasn't and might get to experience it for the first time, um, Blake and I loved it so much. And it's been it's been over a year, right? It's been, it's been a while. A year, a year and I think three months, a year and two months. 
Yeah, so it's something Blake and I have talked about a lot, like being like, you know, we should we should rewatch that. And a lot of people in our community have expressed um, similar feelings. So we decided let's actually do it. Um, so we're going to be hosting that rewatch and scheduling. This is still we're feeling it out. The best way for you to be uh, for you to participate is to join our discord. That is where the watch party will happen. And that is where information as we flesh this out will be provided but for now we have tentatively marked out a date to watch episode one and that is going to be on sunday the do you remember 24th i think 24th okay. which is about a week yeah. and a half from today so yeah. sunday the 24th and i think we said uh 7 30 central time yes so you guys will just have to <laughs> you'll have to time converter for yourself, but yeah, seven thirty central time, uh, and like Critical Role, an episode is about I guess I can't remember the run times of each one, but I think they're like around four and a half five hours. Yeah. So um, we'll try to watch it all in one night, and then I think the plan is uh, every consecutive Sunday after that. There's four episodes total, uh, but so for the three after that to watch through all four of them together. So, yeah. Really looking forward to that. Again, more info will be posted in the Discord. Um, but just very briefly, there will be like a spoiler policy because I do know we have at least a couple people who have never seen it. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, we'd love to watch through that with y'all. Uh, so again, Sunday, the 24th, 7.30 Central. Uh, for those of you that are in different time zones, um, Critical Role normally airs at 9 p.m. So this would be an hour and a half earlier than Critical mm -hmm. Role starts for you whenever that happens to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, join the discord, keep an eye. There's a whole channel called calamity rewatch. Keep an eye on that for more details. Um, but yeah, the plan is to do one a week, uh, on every Sunday, but tentative on those further episodes, just in case, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in a couple of weeks, but right. that's the plan. Would love to have you join us. And, uh, if you're new to the community or you're not, but you haven't joined the discord, join the discord that we'll be doing stuff like that, obviously, but also it's just a great place to hang out for our normal critical role watch parties and just our normal discussion. So we'd love to have you join us and uh, everyone is welcome. Of course. Yep. Um, other than that, uh, I briefly just touched on this, but the wizard, the witch and the wild one did have its finale of arc one episode. Uh, Blake and I haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, um, but that's probably coming this week. And uh, it was phenomenal. I know mm -hmm. we've said, we've said this a lot, but um, for any of you critical role fans uh, that haven't checked that out yet would highly recommend uh, speaking of calamity, you know, it's Brennan that is DMing over there and um, Lou Wilson and Abria who were also both in calamity are in it. And of course, Erica Ishii as well. So can't recommend it enough. Um, definitely check that out and be on the lookout for our episode talking about the uh, finale. Good stuff. I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, diving into episode 71, Mist and Whimsy, we like to do a little recap of what happened in the episode, just because the episodes are about four or five hours long. Uh, so what we like to do, we like to give a recap, and then we cut that out and put it as just a separate video on the YouTube channel. So if you're watching just the recap, you can click the link in the description to check out our full thoughts and discussions on the episode. And of course, Critical Role, there's a lot of awesome stuff that happens in a given episode. So if you have thoughts of your own or theories or things you want to chat about, definitely go to that video and drop a comment and let us know what you think. But 
Having said that, like I mentioned, episode 71 of Campaign 3, Mist and Whimsy. Uh, this episode opens up on the island of Slaval. Um, I don't know if they quite know it's an island or not. Whenever they arrive, they find themselves in this dense, humid forest. Um, there is fog everywhere. In fact, um, it's very much like waking up in the middle of a jungle is kind of the feel of it. Like they hear rustling of animals. Uh, they, in fact, um, in a little bit, they're going to actually see a shadow of some massive creature. So they're very wary about making too much noise. Uh, however, they do want to try to figure out exactly where they are. Now, Orum does do a perception check, I think like a 30 or a 34 or something typical. insane like Orum, yeah, typically does. Uh, Chetney is um, going to try to smell the air, and they do know that there must be the ocean nearby. So they decide to head that direction uh, to where they eventually find themselves on a cliffside uh, with the ocean crashing up against a black pebble beach. Uh, I believe Imogen is going to cast fly on herself, and I think she also casts it on Orum, who uh, flies up and just tries to get a better picture of the island. And in fact, the island as a whole is literally covered by this heavy, thick fog. And in the fog, that is where they in fact see this massive shadowy creature uh, about 100, 100 feet long that is moving through uh, the fog. Um, so coming back down, Orm uh, explains what they've seen, uh, and they're not really sure where to go, what to do. They just know they're looking for Jirana, the shore shrew, who um, Elith had been given, um, had, had received some uh, counseling from, um, or was mentioned in an earlier, earlier episode. Separate to this, uh, Fern's going to cast Pass Without a Trace and they decide, you know what, why don't we just get a good night's sleep so that we can um, start fresh in the morning and figure out, you know, where do we go from here? Now, as they're moving through the forest and they're trying to find a good campsite, um, they're also noticing these little tiny pixie-like, I think Matt describes them as basically like um, uh, lizards with wings, like little tiny, like, inch yeah all uh creatures not wearing any clothes like some, some kind of like native creature of some kind and these things are um flying by moving around kind of staying a little bit weary wary to the party and um and yeah so they do also come across a um destroyed campsite uh and uh chetney is going to cast i don't know if you can hear like the knocking on my door by the way it's my toddler <laughs> trying to get my attention but i'm just <laughs> pressing through you know <laughs> so anyway um the uh travis uh via chetney is going to do his grim psychometry uh ability where he can find out the history of a certain location and does it on this abandoned campsite and sees visions of basically men running for their lives as some kind of creature attacks the camp um, they continue on from this place until they eventually find what feels like a good camping place. Uh, they still don't want to att attract too much attention. So Fern actually casts plant growth to cause like the, these plants to grow up over them, kind of like, um, this makeshift, um, safe camping place. Um, 
in addition to this, there's um, more of these pixies that show up. Um, Chetney, or excuse me, FCG is going to cast Speak with Animals and doesn't seem able to really chat with them. Uh, but then eventually, I think Speaks, uh, it's not Comprehend Languages, um, Tongues. Yeah. FCG eventually casts Tongues and begins to speak to these tiny little creatures, um, one of which decides to bless FCG by pooping into his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, FCG, they get, they get like this little poop in their hands. And it, I think it had actually like a, like a lavender smell to it or, you know, yeah. it wasn't like totally wild. Um, but they begin um, to basically figure out like, okay, what's going on here? Who are you guys? Um, and also during this whole thing, there's also, there's also been like this, this loud noise that's been happening every 10 or 15 minutes in the distance. And these little creatures explain that this is one of many, um, I can't remember what they called it, but I think about at a Yellowstone, like the natural geysers, uh, Matt sort of describes something like that, that continuously they're all over the Island. Um, do you remember what he called them by the way? I don't remember like the specific name, but yeah, like, like geysers kind of. Yeah. Basically geysers. That's like what they're hearing. And then they also ask about the shadowy creature, um, which the, um, tiny pixies explain, um, oh, that's, that's the smelly one. Um, they also ask, FCG asks about, um, Hey, do you know where Torres is or Girana? And the creatures basically say, um, yeah, you're going to want to do a big fire, like make a big fire that'll attract Torres. And they're like, okay, big fire sounds like a good decision. So uh, they go to sleep. They wake up in the morning. Um, and they're like, okay, operation build a big fire. So they get led up to this big volcanic hill. Um, they actually start to wonder, like, are these pixies, like, can they be trusted? Or are they potentially, like, leading us to the shadowy creature to feed to it? Uh, Im Imogen actually does do an insight check and gets a whisper from Matt. Um, but all is to say, they gather some dry wood. Um, Fern's going to do produce flame. Uh, uh, Ladna is going to cast fireball on it. And they create this massive pyre. And it's as this is happening in the edges of the fog around them, uh, Chetney begins to hear something moving. And Matt basically describes this, I think, like chameleon or like almost like komodo like yeah. lizard like creature uh, that i think was made of like volcanic rock that comes out of this the fog uh massive creature and chetney tries to stay still and actually rolls a 21 for a stealth check and yet matt describes the smelly one sniffing and i think he reveals it even rolled a natural 20 when they came back from the break but snaps at chetney we roll initiative, and that is where we go to break. So, you want to take it from there? Yes, sir. Okay, so <clears throat> come back from break. We pick up, and uh, like Blake said, the smelly one actually hit a nat 20 for this attack on Chetney um, and ends up dealing 62 damage to him in one go. Kind of a lot. <clears throat> yeah, a lot. little bit, a <laughs> little bit. So, we roll initiative, and as always, just kind of try to hit the highlights here to speed through things, but... Chetney having taken a massive swipe of damage, um, the first thing that happens is Orem runs in and bait and switches with Chet to provide him some cover. Right. Um, Imogen summons a Raylorin <clears throat> and has it attack. Um, everyone is just launching attacks at this thing. 
um, and FCG actually compels it to run away and is successful. So while the rest of the party is littering their attacks, the next round begins and um, everyone hears this like thunderous noise and this loud croaking, um, which the smelly one uh, seems to react to in fear and all the little pixies uh, are excited. <clears throat> but combat continues. So uh, before the smelly one uh, runs due to its uh, compulsion from FCG, it does attack first um, and uh, hits Orum, who is now, you know, the one right in front of it and does a ton of damage to Orum. Uh, and then it begins to run away due to the compulsion. Um, FCG heals Orum, who is on like death's door, by the way, from how much damage he's taken across the two rounds already. Um, and then Ashton grabs Orum and kind of drags him to safety. <clears throat> the next round continues and the croaking gets louder. The smelly one getting even more afraid um, and it's also starting to look rough as well from like three rounds of just everybody in Bell's Hells attacking it. And it's at this point that a massive 25 foot toad like rains down in from the sky, having leapt there and slams into the ground. Um, everyone's like, what the heck? And Imogen actually gets a glimpse into its mouth and can see like a furnished living room uh, complete with a fireplace in there. Nice. So she reaches out telepathically and says, Torres, like, are you Torres? We were sent by the Tempest. And it doesn't respond with language, but um, Matt says that it acknowledges her and basically tells her to, like, hey, just, like, kind of get out of the way. Um, so Imogen lets everybody know, like, hey, this thing's on our side. And um, <clears throat> as we continue through initiative, the smelly one's next turn is just bolting um, as far as it can away from here. But Torres leaps again into the air and lands right behind it uh, and then basically like flips it off um, this like cliff that they're on beyond the horizon into the ocean. Makes quick work of this thing. So combat is essentially over now. Uh, Torres makes his way back to the party and opens his mouth, basically letting them all into this house that is inside of him. Um, and inside there are like log partitions and different chambers with artwork and plants. And uh, in a rocking chair, there sits an old female turtle humanoid. She introduces herself as Gerana. And if they know Kiki, then they are trusted friends. Um, <clears throat> we now have basically have a lot of conversations for the rest of the episode. Uh, but she tells them that Torres is her companion, her home and her guardian. And that the uh, smelly one that they just fought is actually called a Barry Mondolo. And it is a uh, child of the Esquala. I my, I couldn't read my own handwriting, but I think that's what it said. Um, which is essentially the serpent that uh, travels around and protects the reef surrounding the islands and lays eggs. And the eggs hatch into the Barry Mondolos. Um, <clears throat> Orem at this point then asks, oh yeah, we also saw like some massive sky creatures in the clouds like what's up with that and Jorana says those are cloud jaws and they're basically like sky whales um they're not evil per se uh but they are dangerous and they eat what they can find in the sky which is a big reason why airships uh don't travel to this part of the world um the party then learns that torres has been alive for centuries and Jorana basically just inherited him um she doesn't know who the previous tenant of torres was um, but you know, she's here now and they are kind of the guardians of this place, or at least Torres is, um, they then, uh, ask, 
or excuse me, Jorana asks, like, why have you come? And talks about how, you know, she helped Keyleth and Keyleth has an incredible heart. And, uh, you know, she was able to help her alleviate some of the burden on her heart. And they're like, yeah, Keyleth told us about that. Like, how did you become a grief counselor? And uh, Jorana says that, you know, she's seen many things in her long life, both wonderful and terrible uh, and wonderful from terrible. So she has perspective on a lot of things and a connection with the natural life force of Exandria. And she just wants to help people who have had similar experiences. She tells them that she's been on the shattered teeth her entire life, which is some 120 odd years. But then we quickly find out that it's like 120 years in spirit time, which is closer to maybe 400 years um, in their time. But the, the group kind of gets this feeling that like maybe she's kind of like a little bit lost in the sauce here. So we don't truly know how old she is, but it seems like she's pretty old. Um, and she also reveals that she only stays on this one singular island of the Shattered Teeth, but there are 43 in total. So Ashton then tells her kind of why they're here and quickly about his history and the Hishari and how he's just looking for answers and was told about the tree of atrophy and that he could maybe find some clarification um, here with the tree. And Toronto says that Yvonne Trevere, uh, which is the tree, took all the sorrow and all the loss that was destroyed in the calamity upon themselves and became a memory of those um, and for those that, you know, were on this island and they took root to be a vessel for that sorrow, um, for the sorrow of others. And Yvonne Trevere is one of the few views into death from the material plane. Uh, I'm sure we'll be discussing this, um, <clears throat> but it is still a living entity. It was once a Gaudrishari uh, that protected Exandrias through the age of Arcanum. Uh, the tree is a lot of things. It is between spaces and can be dangerous to some, but give purpose to others. And it can also apparently reveal the path toward one's own death. Um, Jorana says that, you know, that that is on a different island, though. And to get there, um, there's many boats that you could possibly use to travel. They talk about potentially teleporting with Imogen. Um, but she warns them, you know, if you do try to flag down a boat, know that there are different factions here in the Shattered Teeth and they don't all get along. Um, also to make it even more difficult, all of these islands are not stationary. They are ever shifting. Um, the nature of the destruction of Dominus left a perpetual churning element of energy throughout the area. So you either have to pray to your gods to find your way or keep up with a good cartographer, um, of which there are none on the island, but there are lots of shipwrecks and those can be looted and maps can sometimes be found. Uh, it's at this point that Jorana hands Chetney a map that she uh, most recently found, but it was 12 years ago. And on this map, I think there are three islands and a bunch of charts. Um, but hearing of these shipwrecks, they realize perhaps they could go find one and repair one, especially with Chetney's expertise with wood. Um, and maybe that could be how they get around. Um, but he says, you know, well, I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out to see if it's possible for me to repair something like that. So they're sitting there trying to determine, okay, how are we going to get to the island of Kalutha, which is where Avantrevere is? And uh, they ask about the factions she alluded to earlier, and she tells them of the Ascended Host um, and an area called the 
Revaspire, I believe. I might be saying that wrong, which yeah. is like a settlement that they guard. Um, she says that they respect and expect honesty. Um, and she also tells them of the Wandermen, who are um, a potential way that they could flag down a ship. They could flag down a Wanderman ship. Um, but they will expect payment and don't show too much money or else you'll wake up beneath the reefs, she says. Um, she then gives them a compass uh, that once belonged to the dread captain Erlu Novos. Um, and it's a it's enchanted to be attuned to the islands because uh, Novos was once a wild mount pirate. Um, and his reign of terror was actually ended by the ascended host in an ambush over a hundred years ago, but he made a dark deal and his ship still haunts the waters. So Jorana says that if you place this compass in the water, that should summon his like ghostly ship named the Crimson Abyss and it'll come try to like claim the compass back. But she says that perhaps you could bargain with Captain Novos um, into a mutually beneficial agreement um, that would maybe allow him to recover his lost treasure. So basically an exciting but dangerous, dangerous option if, if necessary. Um, it's at this point that Chetney casts Hunter's Bane on the compass to learn more about it. And Matt describes him getting this vision of a pirate ship amidst a fierce battle. And there's like a bearded dwarf captain that is like shouting to the gods and like cursing at the sky. And Matt says, you can't make out like what he's actually saying, but you notice a bolt of lightning comes and strikes him in the head and he falls to the deck, presumably dead with blood pooling behind him, but his face curled into a smile. So the party is pretty excited about this whole ghost ship thing. Um, <clears throat> but before they, you know, make their next steps, Ashton does ask about the Titans that died in this part of the world. And Toronto tells him about Roshan, uh, the Emperor of Fire, and Kamort, the Empress of Earth. Um, and she says that, you know, it's, it's dangerous around here, mostly because of this energy and the stuff that happened. So it's going to be really dangerous. Um, so let me send you guys with a little bit of a care package. And so she scurries off, but quickly returns with... Um, a thick brackish vial, a yellowish bottle, and an empty looking vial that gives off light. Uh, she also gives them two reef moss balms, which are basically greater healing potions, and a slick shimmer oil, which makes you slippery and basically harder to hit. And finally, a vial of cleansing flame, which uh, can cure a number of maladies, but will burn you in the process. So... After that, uh, FCG returns the the um, kindness by giving Jorana some cookies that they've been baking and uh, basically says, you know, that he admires her for her therapy and that he dabbles in being a therapist as well, but he's not very good at it. Uh, and he's actually not even sure if he's a person. Um, it's at this point that Jorana like takes FCG's face and says, I can see within you that you carry a very deep grief, but do not think you are incapable of helping others. And others can help you as well. So perhaps Ashton is not the only one seeking Yvonne Trubier. Oh. Um, and Jorana actually invites FCG to come back to her sometime. And perhaps they can have a little talk, a session. Um, finally, uh, <laughs> Chetney asks, hey, what, what's the key to such a long life that you've led? And she hands him a vial and tells him it's for stamina. Um, she then tells everybody to hold on as Torres is going to leap and bound them toward the North shore where they can check out some of these shipwrecks. Um, so they do just that and they arrive 
and Bell's Hells begins to exit Torres, but Ashton actually hangs back a little bit and uh, says, how do you know to grieve if you don't know what was taken from you? And Gerana says that, you know, you just don't focus on the loss, focus on what you've gained. You know, it can only weigh you down as much as you're willing to let it. So Ashton then follows and exits and the crew makes their way toward the shoreline. And that's where the episode ends. Again, episode 71 of campaign three, Mist and Whimsy. Again, if you want to check out our full discussion, which we will be launching into now, check out the link in the description. Boom. All right. Great job, man. I felt as a, it felt like it wasn't that much, but then as I was getting into it, I was like, oh, it feels like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. 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 Not, not a lot happened, but a lot happened. Yeah. There's a lot so, of, not a lot, not a lot of like big picture stuff, I guess. Like they, I guess they haven't moved too much farther along their, excuse me, their quest, but there were a lot of cool details and just interesting insights in the episode for sure. Yeah. Ghost pirates. Yes. Which the party, it seems like they're already set. That's like like that. We're doing that one. (laughs) Taking the compass to the water, (laughs) which by the way, this was such like a fun, like typical DM, uh, uh, techniques, not the right word, but like when the party gets to somewhere new and you try to give them like options on like what they could do, and you're like, oh, and here's this like cursed compass that will yep. summon the, you know, ghost pirate. And they're like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> you <laughs> I, can stop my, talking. We have to set it. In my campaign, I was giving them, my group, some options like that. And they like literally, I mentioned there was like a cursed silver mine under the city. And they're like, okay, yeah, we want to go there. Let's go do that. And I was like, right now? And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And I was oh. like, uh, yes, okay, <laughs> let me. Frantically, yeah, yeah, building a dungeon, yeah, so yeah, that's hilarious. I'd be the same way though, like that. That compass sounded really cool, like a dread pirate novos, yeah, um, very, um, very revenant esque, which I mean, I'm guessing it literally is one, um, yeah, but uh, really interested to, I mean, I guess we're diving into this, but I guess why not, um. Really interested to see if they do try to like broker a deal, which I think would be really interesting. Cause like, I don't know, like when I think like revenant ghost pirate, you don't really think like, yeah, ally, you know, usually it's like, we got to get away from that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very curious to see what happens there. And I guess it could just depend on a persuasion role, really. Um, mm-hmm. so and you know what it reminded me of? Um, it's been so long that I don't remember the zone or anything, but there was some wow expansion where like every like 12 hours or something, maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was like every four, um, like this, this pirate ship would spawn and like the captain would like yell out a challenge. Do you remember this at all? Mm. The only reason I remember is because you could get a toy from them (laughs) in the game. And I was like, back then I was like trying to collect all of those. You're not talking about cataclysm with like the ship garrison missions, right? Or you mean like no, an actual ship? It was like I want to say it was like it was some special location mm-hmm. that like it was the location itself was like a, a quest hub and like a, a zone hub. And I want to say it was Pandaria, just because like that's when I actually played 
to like a long extent. Um, oh, in the um, the uh, not Throne of Thunder, um, the Isle of Thunder. Maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was yeah. th- it was there where you like couldn't mount, but there was like so many toys and like collectibles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was like every X yeah. amount of hours this guy would spawn, and I think he only had a chance to drop the toy. And I, I'm getting way off base. We're way off subject here, but uh. It just reminded me of that, like this this ghost pirate that would summon when his compass touches the water. Um, it made me think of um, Princess Bride because of Dread, Dread, the Dread oh, yeah. Pirate Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they're presumably, I mean, I'd say with almost surety, they're going to go summon this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, said dude is going to, I guess, broker a deal to retrieve its treasure. And yeah. Maybe they go on some hijinks to get the treasure, and then from there they can go to. I keep wanting to call it Kalula, yeah, <laughs> the island. <laughs> Kalula, what is it? The the liqueur or whatever. Yeah, but the, the name of the island was. Yeah. Uh, well, now Kalula. I just got Kalua in my hand. Uh, mind. Yeah. Uh, I think. Let's see if I can find. Yeah, it. Kalutha. At least yeah. that's what I have written. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean. What it really boils down to is is inter-island travel. Like that's mm. why they're considering partnering mm. with this <laughs> dread pirate. Which <clears throat> it I mean, I I would do the same thing. Like we were just talking about that. It was like the really cool option that you know your players probably are gonna want to latch on to. But like big picture, that's a pretty big like you know, for just for just a mode of transportation, that's a pretty big like undertaking, because if they do that, they're making a massive enemy out of the ascended host. Right. Because like that's who killed yeah. the dread pirate and that's who he's going to want to like get his revenge on or get his treasure back from, I presume. Oh, so it seems like if they yeah. do broker a deal with him, they're like making a lot of enemies. Uh, but I mean, who knows how it might play out? Like maybe you know, maybe they won't be a part of the actual like revenge tour. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but interesting to think about, you know, they obviously were talking about potentially teleporting <clears throat> and then also, I guess maybe Chetney fixing up a ship, but it seems like even if there was like a really good situation for that to be facilitated, it would still take a number of days. I would have to imagine like to fix a ship. So I don't, I don't really see them doing that. Um, that felt like kind of like whenever they were doing back here in the Apogee Solstice uh, launch when they were talking about like painting the underside of the skyship and they were like really (laughs) set on it (laughs) and then finally Matt was like I think they like painted for like an hour or something and they're like well how do we do Matt was like this is going to take days (laughs) like you've done 1% yeah, I got the same vibes of that. Like, you're going to build a ship. Okay. You know, so I, I think the compass for sure. I think what's interesting is I think Von Trevere is on Kalutha, mm-hmm. which I think is where the Ascended Host is, right? Isn't that where Revaspire is? I think so. I think so. So, yeah, I think you make a good point that if the Dread Pirate Uvos, Uva. Uh, Uv- the last name is Novos. The first name Novos. did start with a U, but now oh, I'm not okay. looking at it, so I don't remember. Yeah, I think Uva is 
grape in Spanish. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, getting help from this pirate to go to where they want to go, um, which may piss off the main faction on that island. But on the same on the same token, this could be a really interesting thing where um, it keeps the story, I guess, moving forward. Like if they're going, for me, it's a little bit cleaner if they're going to the island that has uh, Yvonne Trevier and also meanwhile needing to recover this treasure mm-hmm. uh, than, you know, you guys remember episode 71 through 85 where they went across like eight islands and then, <laughs> which I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with, you know, but I also we've mentioned this like every episode kind of like the weird energy around like the pacing pacing is not the right word, but like, like, okay, is there like a ticking yeah. time bomb? I'm just, just wondering what is happening elsewhere. Um, yeah. So, which again, if they did some Island Island jumping, wouldn't be a bad thing, but it does feel like with Matt's mention of so many islands that, I mean, in my mind naturally went to like a shattered teeth source book which we wouldn't get anytime soon, I'm sure. But I'm thinking like what other like campaigns could end up here or I don't know. So there's a lot yeah. that could happen here. Agreed. Um, and especially if you throw into the mix, which I want to talk about this, like as its own subject a little bit too, but the fact that they're all shifting and moving. So like, yeah. even if they hook up with the dread pirate and he knows where Kalutha is, it still might not be as simple as I'm taking yeah. you there. Like it still might be, well, you know, we got an mm-hmm. Island hop for 10 islands and, yeah. um, <clears throat> which I'm kind of excited for. I mean, obviously no one wants to, to be here for a hundred episodes or anything, but, um, I'm not going to be mad if there, if there is a, like right. a little shattered teeth arc, if you will. Um, cause I think this place is, is fascinating. We've, um, we've never been here before in any of the campaigns. Um, there's this cool like energy here, like both literally and figuratively. Um, sky whales are out here chomping up. Um, it's a very like secluded pocket of the world. Um, and as the little dust of deliciousness on top of all of that, is there potentially a time dilation thing going on here? Or do you think that was just Jirana like being old and confused? You know, with the whole, like, she's 120, but really that's like 400, you know, and that may, even if that was true, that could just be isolated to her and like her weird role that she has, but it could be like a time dilation in this part of the world as well. It could be. I mean, you think of, um, I guess it's been almost a thousand years since the calamity or longer. How long has it been since the calamity? I'm not I'm not I'm not good with the yeah the the grand dates. I I think it's at least hundreds. I don't know if thousands yeah. if it's thousands necessarily. I was thinking a thousand cuz yeah. I feel like I deep dug this a while ago but I, I can't remember maybe I'm wrong. That that sounds right to me. But but so yeah, I mean I don't know if time dilation is it. There's very much like a prehistoric vibe to the island mm-hmm. um they, i did mention in the recap but they found like a big footprint like a webbed reptilian footprint that was like big tyrannosaurus rex vibe for me wasn't that like, revealed to be torres though oh was it maybe i'm but, making that up but for before, some reason i thought that it's the footprint they found before they um 
camped out for the night, like as they were like looking for a place to camp out. Yeah. And I think there was the reason I didn't put it together to be Torres was I think they found the footprint and then they like saw like something or heard something in the fog and they're like, okay, well we're not going that way. Yeah. We're going to go this way instead. But regardless of whatever it is, I I still have like this kind of prehistoric Jurassic vibe to it. And so I think, you know, for creatures like these to grow so large, you know, it's a very like Godzilla esque and yeah. maybe, it, maybe it has, maybe there is some kind of like weird, you know, wibbly wobbly time thing happening. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, the, the energy of the primordials is like, you know, uranium for, <laughs> for the Island. I don't know. It's like radioactive. <laughs> they're, so. all, they're all going to be radiation poisoned <laughs> by the, I will say I, got, I did get strong. I mentioned this in the watch party, but I got strong. Um, uh, wow. Uh, Maelstrom vibes. Um, yeah. Yeah. For our listeners, the Maelstrom was, um, it's in the very center of the world of Warcraft or the Warcraft world. And it's where, um, Deathwing, uh, which was the history doesn't matter, but a cataclysmic event basically happened here and it connects the, for lack of better phrasing, the, um, physical world with another realm uh deep home but so it's the spot where there's this basically this massive whirlpool and islands that sort of churn around it um anyway so that i got very heavy vibes yeah um as they were describing it about that me too and i mean perhaps it was a slight inspiration i mean just as easily could not have been but could be i mean we know matt um that literally works uh, in conjunction with Blizzard many times. Um, I'm sure he's played it. Um, we just keep comparing everything to wow. Uh, <laughs> but no, like I'm with you. I, and it even could be um, similar to that. This could be kind of like a weird blending between worlds, given what we've heard mm. about Ivantravir being like one of the few windows into death. And also like it's between spaces. She described it as, um, which I don't know if I'm ready to switch to the tree yet, but I at least wanted to bring that up while you were, while you brought up that point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm totally on board with like the Jurassic world vibes. I think, uh, even if that footprint was Torres, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some dinosaurs. I kind of hope we do. Um, I mean, the smelly one kind of was very dinosaur-esque, like a big mm-hmm. chameleon yeah. lizard dinosaur yeah. creature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, again, I this is the the thing I couldn't read my own handwriting on. So like, I hate that I'm like butchering this, but was it Esqualla, the thing that like laid? Oh, like a squally. A squally. <clears throat> you guys know what I'm talking about, at least. Yeah. Um, this big, like serpent that guards the reefs like that's another massive creature and then we have yeah squall okay um then the sky whales then torres himself like there are these very like primal creatures here so i can only imagine that we're gonna see more before we before it's all said and done Mm -hmm. um which like is that because they've been like seeped in this primordial energy that like is just everywhere here or I don't know, but I'm just ex- I'm excited for what this could hold with the the twisting islands, the crazy creatures, and um, moving toward the tree now. The potential, like really meaty, 
kind of like RP and character exploration we could get because like every one of Bell's Hells has like some serious like grief issues, I feel like. And that seems to be like the theme of this yeah. tree. Um you know what's interesting is we know that um uh oh man what's his name? Ashton's dad. Um uh, F Terran. F Terran visited the tree. So True. did he presumably see his own death in doing the ritual and that would be interesting and if so why do the ritual and if so he's not dead he's still alive (laughs) he's out there somewhere or the juice was worth the squeeze you know maybe he was like that's a sacrifice i have to make you know, if he, wow. if he believed like, in the vision so much typical charlatan, you know, <laughs> cult leader, he goes too big to be a martyr. <laughs> I got all that from like the 40 seconds that he's been described. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point though. Like super interesting if, cause this is such a, like a weird remote part of the world. Like, and I mean, it could be true that it was just a lie. Like F Taren didn't right. actually come right. here, but if he did really interesting. And I think there's, right. I mean, all we've been told about this guy is that he is like a charlatan occult leader, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, uh, but at the same time, he was kind of every, we know very, very little, but like everything that we do know, like was true seemingly like he did have some artifact of power and there really was like some Titan that they were trying to do a ritual with to the extent that it created Ashton you know, it not created him, but you know what I mean? Um, right. Forever changed. So him. like, it wasn't just all hot air, like F Taren, right. like there was some truth to like what he was working for or, or preaching about. Um, and was the way the story goes was given some kind of boon from Yvonne Trevere. Yeah. So what could that be? Yeah. I mean, I, the details about it being this window into death and yeah, it's very interesting. Which, so, I mean, I got to presume Ashton's going to address that. Maybe not, but I would assume if there's like a, if there's like literally like a verbal conversation that's had. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's like really like metaphorical, you know, maybe it's not like, uh, you know, who knows how it's going to actually work with the tree. But if there is like a, a back and forth conversation, I have to imagine Ashton's going to ask about. So did you meet my dad? you know right um so hopefully we'd we'd get some clarity there but yeah i so we got confirmation that this thing was a gaudrashari and that it like took on the sorrow and the the devastation of like the the cataclysmic event that was the calamity Mm -hmm. and it's between spaces like it I know we talked briefly about like, could this be tied to the tree of names at all, which I, I don't, I'm not like more on board with that, but the fact that it's between spaces, which the tree of names kind of existed as like a conduit between realms. Um, and we, and the fact that it's like so closely tied with death made me think of the matron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but like, I'm just trying to parse all of this. I don't really know what to make of it. Like, because the other Galdrashari trees which i guess there's only really two that we know of the tree of names and the the one from omadua there wasn't really an implication that they were like 
windows into death or anything. Wasn't, so. wasn't the implication of the Tree of Names that um, it, was, it was created to prevent um, the matron, after the matron's ritual where she ascended, the Tree of Names was installed to prevent it from happening again. Uh, and isn't it the way the story goes, the tree of names, it scribes and like scribbles the names of the deities and entities to keep out or like, what was the name part of tree of names? Well, good thing we're having that calamity rewatch. We'll, we'll be fresh up <laughs> on all these details, but I don't specifically remember. I do remember that it was integral in because Avalier was like writing a spell across the face of Exandria to protect it. And I know the tree of names was like integral in that, but as far as like the details of like, was it ascribing specific names to keep out? I don't know, but I, they were all, all those things were connected though. You're right. It was, but it was, it was formed after the matron's ritual, right? Like as a response to prevent that from happening again. Right. So, so there's a connection with death right there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting, Evan Yvonne Trevere having that similar connection, though we know it's it came about differently. But yeah, I don't know. Very very curious for sure. Yeah, I don't. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't really know what to make of it aside just you know completely baseless assumptions, but. <sighs> Okay, so do you? Th I mean, I, we don't know how this works. We don't know how it works. But of, do you think members of Bell's Hells will try to find out how they're gonna die? Like, it might not be as simple as like, do you want to know or do you not want to know? Like, maybe you just, maybe that information isn't like simply you can come and ask for it. Like, maybe it won't, maybe it won't mm -hmm. even offer that to any of them. But that was such an interesting thing to throw in, like, especially. Well, like above the table in like a D and D context, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many like lower questions around it of like, like I could see someone like Chetney, you know, jokingly asking for lack of a better phrase. And then like Matt giving like a very generic kind of like when they scried on Dorian, like you see Dorian in a cave mm -hmm. I could see, or, uh, on, uh, Matt's character. I can't, uh, Dariax. Yeah. Um, I can see something similar, like you see yourself surrounded by loved ones, you know, what have you. Now, it puts the demon in a weird situation of like, you know, does this mean you don't, you don't die in the campaign now? Well, maybe you do, and it's like kind of how like these prophecies or whatever they go, like you were surrounded by loved ones. Yeah. So I could see something like that. I could also, I think it's a little bit more interesting for a character like Ladna, because Ladna doesn't age, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, by what metric would Ladna actually... By what, what, by what method would Ladna actually die? Can it only be through force? I mean... For, for a character like her, I'd be more interested than I would anyone else, honestly. Mm. Yeah. And I, she was the one to even, like, I think, bring that point up again to Gerana because I, I think she said as much like, what if you already died? Mm -hmm. um, right. So, <clears throat> I mean, that's too juicy of a thing for Matt to have, like, thrown in there to not be explored a little bit by someone. Um, so I'm interested to see 
what happens there, but I just we we know that Ashton's gonna deal with the tree. Like that much is certain. Seems like FCG might now as well, because of the little combo they had. <clears throat> um I think I mentioned this either in the recap or shortly after. I feel like all of them kind of have some serious issues with grief, except maybe Chetney. Because I'm not that we've learned about with him, but like Laudna, let's there's we could be here all day talking about her grief. Imogen has a lot like with, you know, her mom and just everything. Um, FCG Ashton, clearly Orem is one I would really like to see like, Peel, mm-hmm. peel it back and dive into it because I almost think that Orem has more than anybody like and he's not addressing it um, which is a whole other convo that I don't really want to derail us but I feel like and we've talked about kind of being worried about the dad of the group for a while but like throwing himself into harm's way which which he always did to be fair but like you know just, I don't know I, I'm worried about our little our little halfling friend and I uh I don't see him like willingly going up to the trees, but I hope that happens. Like I hope they force him or he does decide to do it ultimately or something. But you know, what would be a really crazy plot hook is they go to the tree and one of them sees their death and the details imply that it's like in the next day or something. And then there's like this crazy, like, how do I, can you change what the tree says? Like, Kind of leading up to like a uh, Avengers um, in-game, like Doctor Strange, like this moment. But like, is there a decision that can be made that prevents your death? I, I don't know. It would just be kind of like an interesting story, a story plot, I guess. Story yeah. Plot, redundant, but a plot for <clears throat> what can happen. But. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of like fate and determinism stuff here, yeah, but like, I think that stuff's kind of fun. Yeah, no, know? it is. Uh, but like, even if it wasn't the next day, like what if Matt gives them a vision and then like, it would be so interesting to see them deal with it. Like the craziest thing that jumped into my head when you said that was like, what if Imogen saw Fern kill her because of that convo that, you know, Orem and, and Fern had, and there's I like, wait, what? Say- I was going to say Liliana or something and be like, oh, that'd be so now she has to choose between saving the world and dying. But that's even more interesting for sure. Yeah. If Fern. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so wild. That'd be crazy. If she saw Fern killing her and then it just would be an interesting data point. for sure. But they also haven't really they also haven't really like hammed that animosity up at all mm, no in the sense like we haven't really visited that and maybe geez i don't know um probably 30 episodes yeah i mean time. that seems to be water under the bridge i mean obviously yeah. who knows what could happen in like a, a grand like cat like a catch 22 moment of imogen having between pick between like her mom and her friends like who knows what could happen yeah. but it def it does seem like imogen has you know expressed that she doesn't want anything to do with this she's team team the gods um so yeah that, that really has ladna, ladna killing her oh that'd that'd be be crazy. Would be like what so yeah there's a lot there's a lot matt can do with this so i i hope it, it's weird saying i hope the master does it but <laughs> I, I just it'd be cool just to see kind of where he flexes the creative juices where it goes yeah and then just like <clears throat> th- that's all that speculation is basically just from the see your own death thing, which was like kind of an aside. So like, I'm curious just like what, 
what are they going to learn from this tree? Like, what? How is this tree specifically going to help Ashton get clarification? I mean, I would assume it's got to be sort of related to the, the primordials and the titans. Um, but well, and they went they went here to get a power of some kind. Like that was the original plan. Was let's yeah let's harness the the primordials because we're going to need them to fight against Pradathos. Yeah. So presumably uh, so- they'll receive something. When they don't have the harness because that's still being repaired, right? Right. So originally we were thinking like oh, maybe right. Ashton would put on the harness and 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 suck yeah. up some energy here, <laughs> but they don't have that. So that yeah, right. I wonder what's not that that was necessary, but maybe now it'll be more of a yeah yeah interesting right. And I'm just, I'm just I, we already talked about it, so I, I, we don't need to dive into it again. But I'm just so curious, like what this tree is and like what is going on with this mm. these realms i did think <clears throat> that it was really interesting the connection between uh, like kind of how they got here via keyleth because you know she sent them to talk to jirana who was like you know this, this therapist essentially yeah. so i liked that like i liked the through line of keyleth um searching the world for answers against the gods ending up here finding Jirana and like learning about Yvonne Trevere, who was also this druid who was like so suffused and surrounded by grief and sorrow. And the response to that was to take it on for everybody else and become like this beacon. And now Keyleth has kind of found some solace similarly in like becoming this this bastion, this beacon for, for the world really as being like the leader of the Ashari and stuff, but right. also literally at some point, hopefully far down the road, will will too become a tree. Um, I don't know why I did quotes. Yeah. I mean, she literally will be, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought that that was cool that like, there was a parallel between like this nameless Von Trevere and Keyleth. And now, you know, our party who, you know, not to the same level cause they're not arc druids, but Mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i kind of lost my kind of <laughs> lost my landing point but I mean, you guys yeah, get it you guys get there's it some nice symbolism there for sure yeah um what else from this app um from this epi app I'm just looking at my notes yeah me too uh, i already said this but massive studio ghibli vibes from just just this world they're all kind of like whimsical and, and fun for now. I'm sure they're about to get uh-huh. darker, but um, just with the the big toad and uh, I actually uh, this isn't Studio Ghibli, but uh, I, I tweeted at Matt to see if he would clarify here. I, I didn't get an answer, but Jirana uh, um, and ha- having like a huge toad um, really reminded me of Jiraiya. For those of you that are familiar with Naruto, which is like this similarly like their names are very similar Jirana, Jiraiya and they both have a lot to do with enormous toads um so I was curious if that was just a coincidence or perhaps an inspiration because I know like half the cast has worked on Naruto uh, including Matt um don't really have anything else to say but just thought I'd bring that up uh wonder if anybody else thought that as well uh but yeah really fun um just really excited to see what happens in this place and yeah. uh I think we've got a perfect storm of like really cool module for lack of a better word, like a really cool setting 
Yes. <clears throat> but also like some really interesting like RP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Matt's in explaining there's 40 something islands. I think Matt has basically put the canvas out and has said is basically implying like this is something that I either himself or people with critical role can add on to and paint onto for presumably the years to come. I mean, that's kind of the impression I got was there's so much to discover here, so much to do here. And, um, you know, for all we know, every Island has its own ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the possibilities are endless too, because I mean, she said there were 43, but with such a crazy like concoction of space, like who's not, who's to say that like, new islands don't sprout up that, you know? So yeah, I think there's a lot that could be done here and definitely super cool. It definitely got my, uh, I haven't DM'd him forever, but it definitely got my DM brain like rolling when he was describing this place. I was just thinking this is like such a cool setting. Yeah, dude, you gotta put it, you gotta put together the group. Oof, It's tough, man. The power team. It's tough. Um, Oh, people to play. I was, uh, Looking through my notes, I just found this one random note that I put. Um, Laudna, if she, you know, has some dealings with this tree, we know she's got this whole Delilah thing going on, um, which that'll just be interesting in and of itself. But beyond that, we know that, you know, she she kind of got rid of Delilah, sort of, not fully, obviously, but there was a lot of talk of, like, who would be her new patron, the sun tree, maybe. Yvonne Trevere feels like it fits her way more of like this tree of atrophy that's like dead and like between worlds. So I thought it'd be really cool if like Yvonne Trevere potentially became her new patron, Um, you know, since her form of dread is already the creepy tree and everything, which again, sun tree obviously is probably where that originated from. But I think this would be a cool like and makes sense type of like shift if it came to that. I love that idea. Yeah, it definitely it fits her vibe much better for sure. Yeah, than Suntree does. So, I'll ship that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So, which I wonder if the uh, wonder if the Suntree is a gal destroyer. It does. Yeah. It, it, we've never. It, go ahead. I was just say it feels like Matt had like created a detail that now there's a very easy. Um, connecting line to other trees. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we talked about even Calamity, like with Brittany Lee Mulligan, like summoning the, describing the summoning of the Tree of Names, a very easy, retcon's even too strong of a word in my opinion, a very easy clarification from Matt that that was the Gaudrashari summoning and becoming the Tree of Names. Um, But yeah, I, I think... I don't think it's too far-fetched to say this sun tree could even have been a former Galdrashari. Well, what we know of it, uh, not that this is like a whole convo we need to get into, but from the established lore that we've been told, which is, of course, fallible, um, um, but the Dawn Father like planted the sun tree as like a, as like a reminder. I'm butchering it, but like after the, the calamity, it was like a, a symbol of his um, like protection and stuff. So... Both things could be true. Like, you know, that could be like the, the folklore tale of it, but it was also yeah. like a Gaudrashari that like decided to do that. Um, but all that to say before people yell at me in the comments that it's not a Gaudrashari because the Dawnfather planted it. Uh, I know, but I do think it's it's still possible that it could be. Uh, it doesn't have to be, though. And I, for my money right now, I would say it's not. But 
uh, I definitely think it's cool that we have uh, a lot of important trees. Let's call it. Um, don't don't we think the Dom Father could have lied? You know. Yeah, that's I yeah. Mean, after you hear you true. have the Gouger sorry that are you know deeply linked to the, to the primordials. He just took the credit just, for it. <laughs> I mean, you know, a god who just like you know they're not so super high on primordials and. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's I I uh, that. I, I did I, that. <laughs> I made that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but all right. Well, if there's not anything else, I guess we got the upcoming episode here in a couple of days, um, which should be exciting. And you guys don't forget, Discord link is in the episode description. We'll have a watch party on Thursday night. It's always a really fun environment. Uh, whether you're a newer watcher, you've been watching for a long time, literally everyone's welcome for whatever background or experience with the show. Um, come hang out with us. You're welcome. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Calamity Rewatch will be starting here in a little over a week, a uh, week yeah. and a half on the 24th of this mm-hmm. month. Uh, but again, keep an eye, join the Discord and keep an eye on the Calamity Rewatch channel for more, more information yeah. and potential updates there. Yeah. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, y'all.